Thanks for tuning in to the Follow Church weekly message. Our hope and prayer is that you will find this message uplifting and challenging as we seek to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. I'm going to be reading today from John chapter 1, verses 14 through to 18. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, who has made him known. Good morning, everyone. So before we get started, a bit of shameless self-gratification here. Yesterday, Christine and I celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary. Very exciting day for us, and uh, hopefully you had a great day too. But while we were out last night, we went into the city to have a look at the, the Maya windows and the, the Crown Christmas display. Has anyone else been to the Maya windows this year? A few of us, yep. Did anyone else feel like me that they had nothing to do with Christmas? At least most years, it's some sort of Christmas story. It's not a Christian one, but it's about Christmas, right? This year, it's Alice in Wonderland. And look, I don't know Alice in Wonderland all that well, but it didn't even seem like a good version of that. So by the time I got to the end of the windows, I felt much like Lewis. But it was encouraging at the end there to see the one window that separated, unfortunately. And of course, the line of people tends to stop before they get there. But the one encouragement for me was that there's still a window set aside for the nativity scene. So I got to the end of the, the Alice in Wonderland story and I was feeling pretty like Lewis. It was uh, about 10 o'clock at night, so there was no staff around, so I couldn't, couldn't have a go at anyone like Lewis. But I saw the nativity and it made me feel much better. So have you ever found yourself in a situation like Lewis? Maybe not in a full body cast. But do you get worked up when you hear people say, Happy Holidays! Or walking around the shopping centre and you see all the big banners and it's always Happy Holidays. It started out by shortening Christmas to Xmas. And if you're interested to know a bit more about that, Ronald Forsyth actually posted about this on Facebook during the week, so you can have a chat with him after church. It was quite interesting. But then, political correctness gone mad, it became happy holidays, so as to not offend anyone. Ironic, isn't it? Maybe it's something else for you. Something else that makes your blood boil. So 
something that just gets you riled up. And in the face of that, how do we show grace? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we delve into your word this morning, I pray that you will reveal your grace to us. That you will show us the incredible glory that is you. You will fill us up to share your grace with the world, with everyone that we meet. Amen. So what is this all about? What has this video got to do with the gift of grace? Well, Lewis certainly didn't have a gracious response when he jumped up on the checkout. But the true message of that is the grace that was shown to him afterwards. The gift arrives. A gift he certainly didn't deserve. So what is grace? Grace is undeserved love. Undeserved love. We've done nothing to deserve it, but it's still there. It's when we get something we don't deserve, or when we don't get something that we do deserve. This is the gift we've received from God. So as we get stuck into the passage this week, there's three main points to look at. First of all, we've seen and we've heard God's grace and truth in Jesus. Secondly, we've received God's grace through Jesus. And thirdly, we must believe. We must believe God's truth and constantly be striving to know him more. So firstly, we have seen. Verse 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, early Docetic and Gnostic views portrayed Christ as this alien who came to earth and appeared as a human. But that's just not true. We know from this passage, Christ came to earth as flesh. He took on our human form completely, except for our sin. Jesus is God's very self-expression. He was both with God and he was God. God chose to make himself known, finally and ultimately, in a real historical man. And he became that man so that he could bring us into relationship with him. We don't have to look very hard in the Old Testament to find example of man's sinfulness. In fact, we can keep looking through the New Testament and beyond. It's pretty obvious to see. But constantly throughout the Old Testament, God made people right with himself. He made a covenant. 
Then he made a new covenant. God was constantly striving to be right with man. He was striving to make that relationship right. It was not by the deeds of man, but by God's own grace. So then finally, as a once and for all end of story, he sent his son Jesus to dwell amongst his people. So the word for dwell used here is the same verb that's used in relation to the tabernacle and the, the tent of meeting. Sorry, that one got stuck in the throat. That's where God dwelled with the Israelites. Jesus came to dwell amongst us, took on the same role. Jesus is the locus of God's presence with his people. Once the glory of God was restricted to the tabernacle, now it's free for all to see. Through Christ, we have seen God's glory. Jesus came to bring us the message of God's grace. Eugene Peterson, who passed away recently, wrote the famous paraphrase of the Bible, the message. I love his wording of this verse. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighbourhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, from start to finish. Who's been to a concert before? It's a great experience, isn't it? Visceral, the sound, the sights, the smell, not always great. Um, festival hall's the worst for me. Luke loves it. Difference of opinion. But of all the concerts I've been to, none of them sound as good as the way Luke describes a Coldplay concert. And I've heard him describe it many times. But it's incredible to hear it. The way he tells it, it's enthralling. It's like you're there. He can describe everything. The music, as long as you're not minding about the melody. The sights. It's a great representation. Whereas, if I were to describe the Coldplay concert that Luke went to, I can tell you there was a band. Pretty sure the lead singer is Chris Martin, but that's as far as it goes. I can't tell you what songs they sing, what the stage looked like, what the lighting was like, or anything. But there was a band on a stage. Really doesn't have the, have the same impact, does it? <laughs> That's what it's like to have been around for Jesus when he came to earth. Not just someone telling you about someone else's experience, but for anyone that was there with Jesus, they were at the show. They saw it, they experienced it, they lived it with him. And what they were living 
wasn't just someone telling them about the show. Jesus came as God. They were in the presence of God. In every part of Jesus' life, we have seen God's grace and truth. By way of cementing this for his readers, the author of the Gospel quotes John the Baptist in verse 15. said, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about. He comes after me. The one who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. The power of those words for anyone reading this in the early times was enough that that was it. End of story. Such was the level of regard for John the Baptist. Case closed. Jesus is God. So we've seen God's grace and truth. So too, we have received God's grace through Jesus. Verse 16. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. God's grace is the greatest gift ever given. Paul sums it up in Ephesians 2 verse 8. When he says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. We are saved by grace. As we get closer and closer to Christmas, barely more than two weeks away now, we remember Jesus' birth. Just imagine for a moment you're the innkeeper. You would have felt a little bit bad, right? Sending Mary down to the stable. Sure, there was no rooms, he was doing a good thing, there's at least somewhere for you to be. But a heavily pregnant woman in a stable. It's got to have played on his mind. But then after the birth, the visitors started. Surely the innkeeper starts thinking, hmm, something more going on here. This isn't just any baby. This baby must be special. Now that's a pretty big understatement. Jesus was born to live a life of purity, unlike any person ever. So that he could die as the ultimate sacrifice for you and me. Grace is the greatest gift ever. It is the gift of our salvation. It's the one thing that has the power to restore us to God. And the one reason we can have eternal life with him in heaven. Have you ever received a really great gift? It's Christmas. It's a time where we give gifts to each other. Have you ever received one really great gift that you still think about? But maybe at the time, it didn't mean much to you. About 15 years ago, I received that gift. Come Christmas morning, we all gathered in the lounge room. 
All the presents are under the tree. I'm eyeing them off. I was a teenager. Eyeing them off, counting them, counting how many people. And good, there should be about five or six presents for me. That's about right. Four people, 20. Yeah, anyway. Mum starts handing out the presents and she picks up this present. It's quite sizable. I think, ooh, looks good. Eyeing off the shape, start thinking, hang on a minute. It's big, but it doesn't look like it does anything cool. Now, at that age, I have no idea what I wanted for Christmas, but I'm pretty sure I wanted something that did something cool. And that was about it. So... I get this gift, and I start unwrapping it, and it's this. Lockie, can you put up the photo? It's pretty cool. At the time, I was livid. Just to clarify, this is not a redeeming story for me. I'm not proud of this, but I sulked for the rest of Christmas. I mean, it's cool, but you can't do anything with it. But the story of this present is so much deeper than that. You see, Mum and I had been out shopping together and walked past a framing store and they had all the pre-framed stuff ready to go that's for sale. And they had each of these three photos individually framed with their description. And it was enough for me to stop, go into the store and look at them and tell mum just how cool they were. <laughs> how much I wanted them. Except I walked out of that shop and within five seconds I'd forgotten about them. Mum didn't. She remembered, she went back, discovered this, all three of them together, and bought it for me, even though it cost way more than she could afford. And on Christmas morning, she gave it to me, and I was just an ungrateful little brat. And Mum's here this morning, and I'm not actually sure if I've actually apologised for this, Mum. <laughs> but I'm really sorry... I spent the rest of the day in my room, on the phone to every friend I could call, complaining. Fifteen years later, that's hanging on the wall of my lounge room, one of the most prized possessions I have. But on that Christmas, it wasn't the gift I wanted. I didn't know what I wanted, but that wasn't it. And that's what grace is. God's got it there for us. Take it. But, ah, uh, this looks like more fun. Pointed at the cross. The cross is the grace. Sorry, I should have pointed that way. <laughs> Kathy Caprino 
is a contributor for Forbes magazine. A couple of years ago, she did a survey of her readers. She got over 800 responses. The survey was about what people most want in life. Now, the results aren't at all surprising. The top five on the list are happiness, money, freedom, peace, and joy. I don't know about you, but I think about this reasonably often. This isn't a groundbreaking study. We've heard this all before. Many people go to work day in, day out in a job they hate to earn money so that they can be happy. Right? Work a job you hate, earn money, be happy. Basically, people will enslave themselves, and sorry to any employers in the room, in the hope of then being able to use the rest of their time to do whatever they want with the little bit of money they've earned. It's an equation that just doesn't stack up for me. Lockie, can you put up the next one? This is a study in the US of how people spend their life. Assuming an average lifespan of 78 years, 28.3 years of that time will be spent sleeping. For any new parents in the room, I think that comes later. <laughs> Ten and a half years is working. Nine years on TV, video games and social media, rather an indictment on society. We've got a whole lot of other stuff going on there that's not free time including 1.3 years commuting. And finally, nine years of other time. Me time. Ten and a half years of working for nine years of me time. Priorities are all wrong. We should be serving God with our gifts. I'm going to show a short video now. Many of us have probably seen it, but it's a good reminder. From one billion light years down to one femtometer. No idea if I said that right. Never heard of it until I watched this video. One femtometer compared to one billion light years. Just try and put those on a scale with each other. The incredible insignificance of that size. Yet God made all of this. He created those atoms and molecules. He knit them together in such an intricate, creative way to create everything we see. 
Now that scale, one femtometer to one billion light years, is nothing compared to our life on the scale of eternity. And people are so wrapped up in their own happiness right now that they ignore God's grace. Remember those top five things from the survey? Four and five, peace and joy. They come with grace. Our eternity is sealed in God's grace. All we have to do is accept it. In the NLT, verses 16 and 17, say, From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. When I first read this, verse 17 made me stop and go, huh? Is that a backhander for Moses? But that's not what's going on here. In the Gospel of John, Moses is regarded as a positive servant of God, as he should be. So that's the frame through which we read this verse. One commentator writes in relation to this, the problem for Jesus in this Gospel was not with Moses and the law, The problem was with the disobedient Jews who misused the law. Examples of which can be found in John 6, 31 to 32 and John 9, 28 and 29. See, Moses and the law were viewed as a gracious gift from God. The law was given as a model for how to live a righteous life. It was seen as a gift given to them not imposed on them. Jesus says in Matthew 5.17, don't misunderstand why I've come. I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to accomplish its purpose. The purpose of the law was restoration. Restoring us to God. Humans never got that. So we've all received God's grace. But we have to accept it by believing God's truth. Now, we've received. But at this point in time, it's kind of like when you're waiting on a shipment from Australia Post. You get that notification to say it's been delivered but you're at work and it's sitting on the doorstep and until you get home and take it inside, it's kind of theoretical. Have we really got it yet? In order for us to truly receive God's grace, we must believe. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. I'll believe it when I see it. Sure, we've all heard that saying. 
we've probably used it ourselves at some stage. And for most things, it makes sense. Without having experienced itself, experienced it for myself, how can I be sure that it's true? Like when people say North Melbourne will win another premiership in my, in my lifetime. I'll believe it when I see it. Until then, it's a myth. Most of us are here today because we believe in God. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, crucified on the cross for our sins. In order to believe that, we have to first put aside the assertion that we must see it before we can believe it. This book is a historical text. The vast majority of historians agree that this is historically accurate. Because of that, we can believe what's in it. We can believe it as fact. Given that, and what we've just read in verse 18, that should make it pretty easy. But we don't quite get there on that alone. See, God made himself known by sending his son to earth, not as a messenger, but as himself. But for some of us, we still need more convincing. Some people more than others. You see, we must have faith. We must believe. For many of us, we have experiences in our own history that point to the glory of God, to God's grace. But ultimately, we must take action. We must take action based on all of this. We must have faith. What we can learn and what we can study tangibly will only take us so far, but faith does the rest. One of my youth leaders told me many years ago, faith is not jumping to conclusions. It's concluding to jump. So we've seen God's grace in Jesus. We have received God's grace through Jesus. And we must believe God's truth and constantly strive to know him more. As we do this, we will be filled with grace. And this is the most incredible part. Once you've truly received it, you can't help but show it off much like the picture hanging in my lounge room. Fifteen years later, it's still there. I love looking at it because I love planes. I read the descriptions on it regularly because I find it fascinating. But I also love the reminder of just how much of a brat I was to help me not do that again. If you've received God's grace by faith, then you are to be spared from the consequences of your own life and actions. Remember the definition we started with this morning. Grace equals undeserved love. It is when we get something we don't deserve or when we don't get something we do deserve. 
So have you received God's grace? Truly received it and been filled by it? Do you instinctively respond with grace in all situations? When someone insults you by saying happy holidays, do you respond with grace? What about if something seriously bad were to happen? How would you respond then? A person full of grace has not only received a gift, but also becomes a gift for everyone they come into contact with. Thanks for listening to our message this week. If it's stirred your heart and you would like to talk to someone more about it or pray with someone, please get in touch with us at info at follow.church and one of our pastoral team will get back to you as soon as possible. If you'd like more information about Follow and our various ministries, including weekly service times and location, please check out our website, www.follow.church. Thanks again for joining us. God bless.